Welcome to AFT in Action, a podcast for members of AFT Connecticut-affiliated local unions. We're approximately 30,000 working people in the public and private sectors, teachers and school support staff, nurses and healthcare workers, higher education faculty and public employees in nearly 90 unions across the state. The series provides a deeper dive into issues impacting our members and our movement as part of AFT Connecticut's engagement and communications efforts. Welcome back to our members and our regular listeners of AFT in Action. My name is Jan Hockadell. I'm the president of AFT Connecticut, and I'll once again be co-hosting. And for this latest episode, I'd like to change up the format a bit to include two different but related discussions. For the first, I'll be asking AFT Connecticut's professional legislative advocates to give us their thoughts from the General Assembly this past session, which just adjourned, and to talk about the passage of several bills important to our members. Then they'll join me as co-hosts for the second half of the discussion, where we'll focus on issues impacting state workers and their families. Our guests will be the leaders of three local public employee affiliates, and they'll answer questions in a lightning round on specific priority initiatives. I'm really looking forward to this section. So for part one of our discussion, I'm joined by Terry Marisotis and Jim Vigue. Together, they coordinate AFT Connecticut's legislative and political programs at the local, state, and federal levels. And while they're constantly on the go, <laughs> Terry and Jim are a particular, in particular demand while the legislative session um, is going on. So lawmakers have just finished up this so-called long session of 2019, but not before passing several bills impacting our members. Terry and Jim, welcome and thank you in advance. I appreciate both of you sharing your highlights of your work over the, the past six months. I know it was a lot of work. Thanks, Jan, for having us. Thanks for having us, Jan. So Terry and Jim. You work with AFT Connecticut's Legislative and Political Action Committee, which we call LPAC. And it's there that we prioritize the issues that are important to our members. The LPAC members developed a plan last year for this past 2019 session, and it was then adopted by our executive committee. Terry, can you share how we ended up doing on our highest priority issues that you focused on? We actually had a lot of things happening, but I want to go over a couple high priorities that we worked on. One was the our contract agreements that we had. We had six agreements and arbitration awards that came up this past legislative session. They were all passed, which is just, you know, this is very different than in years past. Um, In years past, we never had to really vote on them. You could vote on the House and Senate could vote if they wanted to, but they didn't have to. Now, the Senate and the House have to vote on every single state employee agreement or arbitration. This took a lot of time and effort for our lobbyists, our members, and legislators to get those passed. But obviously they did get passed, and we're very excited about that to happen. Two things we wanted to make sure were in the budget. One was fringe benefits for UConn Health in UConn, as well as the community colleges. And those two things did pass, which we were very happy about in the budget. The other big thing was teachers' retirement. Um, As people have probably heard with the teachers' pension, there's being a, be a huge spike in about five or six years from now. We wanted to make sure that kind of the state employee pensions, um, it would be smoothed out, like a, be a reamortization, and that happened as well in the state budget just got passed. So that was a great thing. Even though we have a Democratic governor, House, and Senate, we still had a $3.5 billion deficit. So many things that we had really wanted this session weren't able to get because it costs money. And the para-equity bill was one of those bills that we were not able to get because of that issue. There were two other bills that we were tried to pass but weren't able to this year, but hopefully we'll get next session. One of them then was the Employee Freedom of Speech Law, 
And the other one was the post-Janus bill, which was to help codify existing language to enable unions to be able to speak to their members. Thanks, Terry. You actually just answered a couple questions um, that members had submitted. Uh, in fact, we'd heard from several, like uh, Diane, a pre-K-12 teacher in Guilford, on issues impacting them personally. As a follow-up, can you share the role that local activists play in getting these bills passed? Of course. As you know, local activists are the most important part to getting bills passed. First, testifying. We had testified at public hearing. We had 30 members testify at public hearings this session, which was awesome. We had eight regional meetings where we had our members come and talk to legislators on specific issues that we cared about. And we had some lobbyists up at the Capitol where we had members come up and talk to legislators, have meetings with them. It was a great way of getting our activists more involved in the process. Let's now talk briefly about the wider labor movement's uh, wins that AFT Connecticut also supported. So, Jim, what were some of the bills that benefit working people that were passed, um, it's specifically those that you worked on um, in coalition with other unions in our social justice allies? Thank you. Yeah, there was a lot of bills that we all worked on with our AFL-CIO and, and our uh, coalition partners, especially uh, HB. 5004, which increased the minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2023 and then indexes it after that for inflation. This is a very important bill for working class people around the state. And then Senate Bill 1, which is paid family medical leave, it creates a family and medical leave insurance program to provide wage replacement benefits to employees taking up to 12 weeks of leave over a 12-month period. Um, this, this bill took a lot of work to pass. And it, it is noted that it's one of the best family medical leave laws in the nation. So um, we felt very proud about that. Uh, and then Senate Bill 164 was compensation for first responder PTSD. This covers uh, firefighters and police officers that suffered PTSD on the job. And um, those unions and the coalition that we work with has been fighting for that for about 25 years. So it was a great win. Uh, Senate Bill 375 is nursing home staffing. Uh, it's it's going to force nursing homes to post their staffing levels in each department. We will be looking to piggyback this uh, legislation next year for our nurses in hospitals because we think it's a, it's a good piece of legislation that we, we should uh, look at next year. And the one thing that I felt great about uh, defeating was Senate Bill 878, which was public-private partnerships, where the administration was, uh, well, I'm not even sure who exactly it was, uh, was trying to get it so certain agencies could get involved in public-private partnerships without any transparency and, and no, not having to answer the Contract and Standards Board. That's great. Thank you for that, Jim. Finally, I'd like to ask you both to look ahead. Um, we have heard lawmakers may be back this summer for a special session of the legislature, but either way, they're scheduled to reconvene in February for the 2020 regular session. How do you plan once again to mobilize members to be part of the grassroots legislative advocacy? Terry, let's start with you. One of the things we always work on is our legislative agenda. We start off usually fairly early in the fall. We ask our constituency uh, councils to get together, figure out what priorities are their issues that they care about. And we go from there. So usually we try to have at least two or three issues for each council that we can work on during the session, ask them how they want to work on it, how they want to get legislation passed. Um, that's the first thing. Um, the other thing that we've, we've been doing a little bit of is 
actually meeting with legislators in the district, just kind of a one-on-one with presidents or a couple other people, especially the new freshmen who don't really understand what a union is about. And we're doing more of that during the fall and the summer as well. Jim, what are your thoughts on activating our activists again in 2020? So what I'm looking to do is to try to, uh, in 2019, replicate what we did in 2017 in municipal elections, uh, which are very important to our members, um, not it's just as important as state elections, whether it be state rep or state senator or governor, is local boards of ed, um, local councils, um, mayor's races. And in 2017, we had 38 members run for elective office. 32 of them were elected. We're looking to add to those numbers. There was plenty more um, union members that weren't AFT members that also got elected to office with our help. And in 2019, we're going to actively go out, talk to members, talk to the ones that got elected the, the uh, last time to, to help let them know that we're going to help them get reelected this time and uh, try to grow on that. Well, thank you both. Um, you have both provided solid reasons why we look to our professional team to spearhead our public policy programs. And thank you for sitting down and talking with me, but please don't go anywhere. I would love for you to both be my co-hosts in the second half of this discussion. So let's narrow the focus a bit as we bring on our next guest. Terry, Jim, and I are joined by leaders of our local unions that represent state employees in a, what we'll call a lightning round, uh, review of the biggest issues that were at the Capitol this session. So first up, we're going to have John DeSetti, who leads AFT Connecticut's largest affiliate, the Administrative and Residual Employees Union, better known as A&R. He is also an at-large vice president on our state federation's executive committee. Then we'll hear from Ed Levy, who is the president of the State Vocational Federation of Teachers, or SVFT. He's on our LPAC. He's finishing up his final year as our AFT Connecticut Secretary Treasurer. And in July, we'll assume the role of the Divisional Vice President for Public Employees. And then we'll wrap up with Bill Garrity, who leads our University Health Professionals, or UHP. Bill is also an at-large Vice President on our Executive Committee and an active member of our LPAC. John? Ed, Bill, welcome to AFT in Action. Terry and John, you're first up. So John, during the legislative session, you were able to grow the ranks of A&R, as well as other state employee unions. You did so by winning lawmakers' approval of agreements covering hundreds of new members joining locals like yours. John, can you share how you and your members moved elected officials to do more than give lip service and actually support state employees? I'd actually like to start by uh, giving a special thanks to Representative uh, Michael D'Agostino and Senator Kathy Austin, both who, uh, both of whom uh, took forward the, uh, the accretions. What we were trying to do uh, was bring non-unionized employees that work for the state of Connecticut and bring them into a union. Uh, they, these groups of employees uh, had determined that they needed representation, uh, which is exactly where we think more people should be, recognizing the fact that they need a voice in their workplace. And so these uh, groups of people was a total of, uh, I think, somewhere in the area of 65, uh, spent uh, the, la- the better part of the last two years uh, trying to organize themselves and get themselves into uh, a, a state union. And they were looking to get into A&R, and there were several other unions as well that other groups were trying to get into. And uh, 
Representative D'Agostino and Senator Kathy Oston uh, both came out, uh, led the charge on the floor of the, the House and the Senate um, to uh, bring these uh, accretion agreements, these agreements to bring these people from non-union into union. Um, they led that charge uh, to get these people a voice in the workplace. Uh, so I do want to thank them, but certainly all the legislators out there uh, that were willing to listen, that understood what was happening, understood why it was happening, and were willing to give uh, the credit to the employees. Uh, we thank every one of them that went out and voted in favor of this. That's great. Thank you for that, John. So, Ed, um, you won passage of legislation that will fix a long overdue problem um, faced by SVFT members who are double taxed, if you will, on their retiree health benefits. Can you share how you and your local activists went about proposing and then getting this bill passed? Sure. Um, we started this process about four years ago, uh, and we have never gotten the bill even introduced. Um, but what happens for our teachers who are in teacher retirement? They pay their 10-year or 15-year commitment to the retiree medical through the CBAC agreement. But then when they're done with that, they would continue to pay one and a quarter percent for TRB medical, uh, which they'll never use because they'll, they'll use the CBAC uh, health insurance. There's about 350 members in our unit that deal with this and about another 300 uh, or 250 throughout the state in other bargaining units. What we did is reach out to our members who are in TRB uh, I sent them emails regularly, and I said, okay, it's at the Finance Committee. Here are the people on the Finance Committee. Can you reach out to them? Here's your districts. We, we broke it down. Uh, our office manager does a great job making sure we have all that information. And uh, so I'd send out the emails, and so they sent it out. We had several responses to the, to the Finance Committee or the Insurance Committee. It came out of insurance. Um, then it went to finance, and we reached out to the leadership there. Um, you know, of course I did, but but we had uh, a couple dozen members reach out also. Um, and so that got through, and then it went through the Senate, uh, and you know we reached out to some of the senators, I even reached out to their senator and said, you know, hey, this is a bill that's important to me. Because um, it's about, a th as I said, it's $1,000 a year for these people. It was important for us as an organization to have the members take ownership of this. It's their bill, that's what they need. Um, and that they need to speak together on this issue. And that's something that we really work at at the SVFT to stand together. Uh, even some of the people who are not in teachers' retirement uh, reached out to their senators and said, you know, this bill matters to my colleagues and my friends. That's great. And I know that it was uh, passed with 24 hours left to go. So down at the, uh, the last uh, seconds there, and you were able to get it through. So congratulations. So, Jim, I'm going to turn it over to you for a final question for Bill. Bill, if UHP members had a top priority this session, it was certainly keeping UConn Health Center a public hospital and research institution. That wasn't easy, considering the push by top administrators at the facility and university, as well as a few lawmakers, to privatize. Bill, can you share how UHP members work together in coalition with other unions to keep UConn Health Center a public hospital? I've been at uh, UConn Health for about 25 years now. This is the third time that we've been uh, fighting off privatization issues. Uh, every now and then we get a new president who decides he wants to play this game. We've got about 2,700 members, uh, which is about two-thirds of the unionized workforce at UConn Health. Uh, we decided that we just didn't want one group there. 
Uh, so we got together with all of the labor unions. We took uh, our UHP, uh, ANR, UCHC, AAUP, AFSME, CEUI, SEIU, and Connecticut Police and Fire. And we all got together, uh, sat down, had a couple uh, meetings to start putting our plans together, and then we got out in front of the membership. Uh, I had been up at the Capitol a couple different times talking with Senator Kathy Austin, um, and uh, we talked with Joe Arasimowitz. Um, I even had the opportunity to lobby my two Republican legislators, legislators in uh, Bill Pettit and Henry Martin. Uh, but one of the things that we had done at that point in time was we took all of the uh, information we could gather from AFT Connecticut and from our other unions and got everyone's personal uh, legislators together, uh, legislators' names and contact information. And we talked to our individual members. Every unionized uh, labor person at UConn Health that we had the opportunity to get to, and we said, these are the things that are important. We need to do everything we can to keep UConn Health a public hospital for the public good. And at that point in time, um, we started with uh, phone, num phone calls to our legislators, emails to our legislators, and finished up with a big push trying to get legislators, trying to get our members in front of legislators at the Capitol lobbying while they were going through the budget. Um, I think uh, we did very well. We had uh, a very good turnout, and I think we had more than 350 actual contacts with legislators. So I think that was a great, uh, a great success. Thank you again to John and Ned, uh, as well as Bill, for joining us here and sharing you and your members' experiences at the Capitol. Your stories really show how the UNI and union can move our elected officials to make working people's lives better. Uh, any last words? I'd love to say thank you to the membership uh, at UConn Health, not just UHP members. Uh, and I want to remind them that this is not going to go away, and this may poke its ugly head again. The regional meetings which is something that our, our local has always been very involved with throughout the state, were really helpful in this process. We got to talk to legislators at the tables so they knew what the issue was before it ever hit the floor. And um, so the, the, those meetings are, are so important. And uh, I hope everyone you know, really goes because it's a way to talk to your legislators. From the perspective of ANR, um, we see how apparent it has become to state employees that are non-unionized. Uh, we see it's become very obvious to them that they need a voice. ANR is going to continue to be out there helping people that are looking for support, looking for that voice in the workplace. So although we got 10 job titles into ANR this year, we're not done. Uh, we are going to be looking towards uh, to our legislators next year as well, and we're going to continue to do the same thing. We're going to have our uh, the other 2,700 ANR members calling up, reaching out to their legislators, and, and pushing this uh, all the way until we get to the point where everyone that wants a voice has a voice. That's awesome. Uh, Terry, Jim, I'm so glad you were both able to join me for this episode, particularly in when I asked you to do double duty, um, first as guests and then as co-hosts. I know our members would want to hear from the team of experts. You guys put in countless number of hours um, on their behalf, and you do so much, and it, we want you to know it's truly appreciated. Thanks, Jan, for having us. You know, I was a bit nervous when I heard you announced we would be your next guest, but I'm happy to have been able to share what an exciting session we have. Thanks again. Thanks, Jan. You know I would never turn down an opportunity to talk. <laughs> And it was great to be able to both answer and ask questions on such important topics. Thanks again. 
Agreed. And finally, I want to thank our members who took the time to listen to our discussions. And I hope they were not only getting answers that they were looking for, but also um, get motivated to be part of AFT Connecticut's legislative program in the future. I again invite feedback to our next episode. Uh, we did have Paul, a state employee from Seymour, suggest for our next episode that we focus on our collective efforts to protect pensions. So let me know if you agree with his proposed topic. And if so, please share any questions that you would like to be answered. Send your feedback to actnetreply at aftct.org. That's A-C-T-N-E-T-R-E-P-L-Y at sign aftct.org. O-R-G, and thank you in advance. That's a wrap for this latest edition of AFT in Action. Additional episodes are available at our Podbean page and social media channels, all of which can be found at aftct.org. Like what you heard? Then share with fellow members and encourage they give it a listen too, and help build the power of the UNI in union.